Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Least Show. The show that is currently sitting at four five-star reviews on Apple iTunes, which means that it is in second place in the NFC East entering this next week. We have two teams. Uh, two teams kind of separating from the pack. And I'm, I'm eager to jump in. Um, Sean, how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Been a busy week, but a, a good one overall. So can't complain. Man, all right. I think we got to start with the uh, the cross-off contenders. <laughs> I, I, we've, we clearly have two two consensus uh, contenders in this division and two teams that, one, we've already crossed off, and I will not uh, let my poker face down in that regard. I confidently crossed off the Cowboys three weeks ago and stood by it and never sweated it out. <laughs> in, in the, the subsequent games and we've got uh my eagles which i think we got to have a real discussion about this team this week uh let's talk about the eagles packers game first uh marquee event from this game is carson wentz is benched in the third quarter for jalen hurts rookie second round pick jalen hurts something that we have talked ad nauseum about needed to be a thing that Doug Peterson had the uh, the guts to do um, if Wentz continued to play like he had, and he finally pulled the trigger. Um, we'll talk a bit more, I guess, about what that means for the Eagles going into their matchup against the Saints this week. Um, otherwise, there's really not much else to like remark on on this performance. The same team that is shown up the past three weeks, basically showed up again, which is why we have this change at quarterback. Uh, Williams, do you have any additional thoughts about this game, or is it just more par for the course, more uh, more offensive issues, more uh, pedestrian, mediocre defense, and yeah. more losses? <laughs> <laughs> well, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And uh, I think... The big takeaway here is that Jalen Hurts looked a lot more comfortable in the pocket than Wentz did. Uh, all right. A lot? <laughs> uh, relatively? I don't know. If you're like a 5 out of 10 in the pocket and Wentz is a 2 out of 10 in the pocket, I feel like that's a... All right. That is an order of magnitude higher, right. even, if it, is, saying, even if it is bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, like I, I think it was the second drive or so. Wentz had like a couple sacks that were just like weird where it's like he forgot that he could move around like he kind of like why are you hurting me like this <laughs> I like how you were just like well nothing to say here let's move on <laughs> you're just gonna continue just poking that knife in until it like strikes blood I swear to god I just want to move on and talk about something else <laughs> let's pour this water a little well, I didn't even ask you what your opinion was about this game <laughs> You messed up. Um, that's yet. I think I think this week will be much more instructive. Any any takes that we have from last week uh, regarding the Packers game? Yeah, just copy are, almost, and paste. are almost irrelevant. <laughs> What's up? 
Oh, I was gonna say just I thought you were gonna say about last week from the uh um uh, from the Seahawks game. I was gonna say it's a copy and paste game except for the uh the Jalen Hurts stuff, but I hear what you're saying now. Any takes yeah. we have are irrelevant because Hurts is gonna be the the guy moving forward. So what can we say? Right, exactly. I, I don't want to project too much, and I think we'll probably get to it in the preview, and I think you're also right. Uh, just put in the Seahawks talk here. <laughs> I I yeah, I mean, I, I I will concede. Like, obviously, if... This is a very tumultuous week for me as, a, as someone who has uh, not, I wouldn't say uh, glorified Wentz, this year, but I definitely haven't crucified him the way, uh, the way a lot of other Eagles fans have. I more fall into the camp of he's bad, but also everyone else is bad, right? If Jalen Hurts walks in and lights up the Saints this week, um, it's going to be one of those moments where part of me is elated that I'm watching entertaining football again, but another part of me has to uh, collect the receipts on some. Uh, on some bad takes that I've had so far this year. And I really don't want to do that. <laughs> so it's not, it's not a great time to be me. Right. Um, <laughs> room, would you rather be wrong and happy or right and miserable? Yeah. And I, it's a real Sophie's choice of uh, hubris that I found myself in. <laughs> um, I, I will say, like, obviously, Hurts deserves the job, and I think he deserves the job until the end of the season. I, and we can talk about this during the preview, I am pessimistic that this fundamentally changes anything. He's going to be more mobile in the pocket, but he's still going to see plays where no pocket exists, just like Wentz did, and I wouldn't be surprised to see his confidence slowly chip away rep by rep, game by game, in the same way we've seen Carson Wentz become a husk over 10 weeks this year, just because so much around him isn't working. But to get that data, to get those that, that tape, to get gain perspective, right, we need to make this change to know what is working in the Eagles offense, right? If we know Wentz has problems, you got to put the guy in that at least solves three of those problems, right? And then see if that gets any juice out of the rest of the offense. You know, um, I guess my question is, is like, I don't want to say this. Do we cross the Eagles off? I Are they done? A lot. I thought a lot about this, man. I know. I know you have. I didn't even have to ask you. <laughs> I, I don't think I do. I don't think I crossed them off yet because of the Hertz variable. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that it just sparks the team. They go on a run. They have a couple division games left, not against the Giants, but I think they have one against the football team and one against the Cowboys. Um, is that right? Yep, that's Pretty correct. Sure so they have some control of their own destiny here. They have the tie that would push them over the edge if it comes to it. So I'm I'm giving them one more week, but if we don't see it this week, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about it, but they're they're really in the corner now. I I think that's the only take you can have in good conscience and sobriety. I think any uh any other take at this point would be coming from a place of emotion for both of us included. You wanting to see uh pain inflicted on the Eagles and me already in pain and pessimism, right? Um 
the Hertz variable is there. And the sad part is, is even though, as we'll talk later, we have two teams that are now beating winning playoff caliber teams in other divisions. Um, there's still only two games ahead of this Eagles team or a game and a half, right? Yeah. With yeah. the, with the, uh, with the, uh, the Bengals tie in hand, right. Uh, because of how bad they were in earlier in the year. And I don't think you can discount that just yet <laughs> either for yeah. uh, Washington or New York, like one week in the same way we're saying Hertz is a one week variable. We can't also chalk up the Washington and New York's games last week as anything more than a w- potential one week variable as well. But if I'm a betting man, I'm betting more on how good the giants and Washington looked last week than I am betting on my pure optimism that anything will change about the Eagles with Hertz. Right. Um, so I, I am with you. I do not cross them off, but I, my pen is ready for this pod. <laughs> the first thing we do next week, I think is going to be crossing them off, which should be enough for me to just have the, the stones to do it right now. But I'm still, I'm still in it with them emotionally. I'm still attached. It would be like killing a, a child to me, you know, I just can't do it. You know, <laughs> it would be like killing a child. <laughs> <laughs> I should say killing my child, just like that level of attachment, like not right, just like right. killing a child. <laughs> right, like if you killed any child, that wouldn't be as big of a deal. As yeah, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> right. All right, let's get on to the uh, the other the other cross off kid, our beloved Dallas Cowboys. Um, again, the cross-off survives, a take that I will never renege on, even if <laughs> they make the playoffs this year. <laughs> um, but, you know, this team, it's, it's an interesting case. They're sitting a half game behind the Eagles right now, but objectively, you got to say they've got more spark in life than even the Eagles do right now. Um, Dalton came back, you know, two games ago. He's making good decisions with the football. They seem to have all the pieces and showing sparks during games that you'd think they'd be able to bounce back like Washington or New York has. But here they are still sitting at three wins. Every every game, there's there's at least one drive or like one decisive play where just some weird stuff happens that's usually the Cowboys' fault, and it costs them like two scores. It's incredible to watch, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they are, um, we've talked about how they're a little banged up. They've got a lot of injuries at the moment. Um, although they had injuries, new injuries to their offensive line and still their O-line was probably like one of the bright spots, honestly. So whoever fourth string guys they had in there did a great job. Uh, I think, I think it comes down to just, they don't have, we'll get to this when we talk about the giants, I think in a minute, but they don't have random guys making plays for them. You know, when yeah. you're on the Cowboys and you're a fifth round pick, you basically just get like, let's say you're a defensive tackle or something. You're just getting steamrolled. like pretty much every play. <laughs> um, yeah. So it just becomes like, nobody's really stepping up their star. Like Demarcus Lawrence is getting paid a lot of money to do nothing. Um, that's just killing them. I think on the D line, they got pushed around by Baltimore all day. Um, so I, some of that comes down to coaching. I think really good coaching can make mediocre talent look at least above average, but they just, 
they just aren't there, man. They just make so yeah. many big play mistakes. I, I honestly I, couldn't tell you beyond that. I was hoping you would bring up coaching because I think that's what I want to uh, like hone in on a bit. Um, I think I think when we talk about coaching, sometimes there's like this like mythological like player development piece where it's like a good coach can like work with a player, work on their mechanics or something or other. And, you know, suddenly they're playing at a higher level individually. I think that it really more comes down to like, are you putting the right players in the right position to succeed in the right matchups? Right. And uh, good coaches do that and bad coaches don't. And I, I think it's pretty obvious that that is the Cowboys problem and why you see, fifth round picks getting steamrolled out there and not, you know, a replacement level player serving some role, you know, some defined role that maximizes their skill set. Right. It's to me, it comes down to just kind of institutional, you know, my take about the Cowboys. I think it all maps up to Jerry, you know, and I don't think he can be trusted with the keys. (laughs) to a franchise at all, you know, yeah. uh, the unfortunate much like part is he... Much like when your grandfather gets too old and you do have to take his license away. Yeah. That is where we're at with Jerry. <laughs> it, it hurts everybody. It doesn't feel good. He's very upset about it, but it has to happen for other people's safety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, what I ultimately mean, like, why, why is he retreading Mike Nolan? as a defensive coordinator. Why, <laughs> why was he retreading? Why was he retreading Rod Marinelli before Mike Nolan? Why, why did he think Mike Nolan was an upgrade over Rod Marinelli? I think these are all questions that like are perfectly valid that we'll never have answered because he'll fire Mike Nolan for like, I don't know, like a, uh, like Romeo Cornell next season or something. Like, I, <laughs> like I, I just like, you it is coaching but it's also like why why are the coaches themselves being put in that position and then you you look up and it's jerry on top of everything you know and i think his leadership who he chooses to hire who he chooses to sign to contracts who he doesn't choose to sign to contracts who he chooses to drafts ultimately costs the cowboys two to three wins a year they probably would have otherwise had with a competent organization yeah, I think that uh, I think that checks out. There's just a lack of clarity, or maybe not a coherent vision shared by everybody in the organization, because one person at the end of the day really wields all the power more than your normal owner does. And so, even if it's like subconsciously, like I think coaches and um, scouts and what have you are going to defer to him more than they should. Yep. And I'm really, I'm really, thank you for giving me this platform because I don't think I've ever laid out my Cowboys thesis (laughs) on the pod yet. And I really need this to be something that our listeners remember, but I, and it's a well I can keep going back to because it's going to be the drumbeat of why I think the Cowboys are doomed to maybe 10 and six to 12 and four seasons with first round playoff exits until Jerry Jones gives up the keys. Right. Um, and the years they don't win are just years where that three wins they should have had are on bad teams, you know, 
maybe this yeah. would have been a division champion, but the Jerry effect is costing them three to four games over or what they would have had over teams like the Giants and the Washington football team. I think it's good we're talking about this for your mental health. Like, Yeah, I don't know whether I would have launched into this if the Eagles weren't where they are. I would have no reason to need to exercise any sort of demons here. Yeah. This is like a little bit of bomb and like, okay, we can get Raftery back into like normal mode after <laughs> making him suffer. So let's uh let's let's refocus. Let's let's talk about the good. Let's talk about the uh the two horse race for the division championship. Uh both the Giants and the Washington football team got huge wins this week. Like wins that no one except for me thought would happen. <laughs> <laughs> did you pick them both? No, I, I picked the Seahawks over the Giants, but I did yeah. pick Washington over the Steelers. And please, I want to bask in this. Do not also remind me that a week prior to that, I picked the Eagles over the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am only my correct picks. I am none of my incorrect picks. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I picked nobody to win this week, so... I... <laughs> I uh, <laughs> but, I mean... I think the Giants and Washington wins were both very similar. Uh, we have two teams that are kind of building identities. I think it might be interesting to talk about what those identities are for a bit. Um, but let's also talk about that like through the lens of who we think the favorite to win this division is at this point. Because I think that while we're still not crossing the Eagles off, I think, like we said, as a if I were a betting man, I would not bet on them to win the division at this point. So now we've got this two-horse race between two, five, and seven teams Probably the two teams that we expected most to be at five and seven at this point in the year, but not in anywhere <laughs> anywhere near a division championship. So, <laughs> like, what what do we make of these two teams' identities? What what are we liking? What they're doing, and who who do we think might uh might squeak out at this point? Yeah, well, let's talk. I I, I think again, let's circle back around to coaching. You know, I both like the Cowboys. Both of these teams have. Uh, new coaching staffs all the way around. Um, and they're really showing, I think, their acumen here a little bit. The Giants defense has a lot of kind of no-name, random depth guys on it that keep stepping up and making plays. Um, Isaac Yadam, Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown, uh, this random dude from Dartmouth named Nico Lalos has basically played like six snaps and gotten two turnovers. Uh, and how does it how does it feel to watch that defense? It feels great. Everybody's moving on a string. Like everybody just knows where they're supposed to be. It's very deceptive. You can tell. Like this week, you could tell Russell Wilson was was just confused and didn't know what to do. The Giants shut off all his like scrambling escape routes while still covering downfield. Um, just impressive to see the scheme that uh, Graham has put together on defense. And I think, you know, it, it's hard. I don't want to look too far ahead, but it is it is promising for years to come, you know, that this was something that we can build with theoretically limited talent. If you had asked me before the year started how the Giants defense was, I would have said bottom five, maybe. I just didn't see where the pass rush would come from. And I didn't, I actually, I didn't see any of it really. 
um, <laughs> across any any of the three. No, levels. you knew it was coming, man. Don't don't uh, don't discredit yourself. I mean, this didn't exist back pot. then, so I can make up whatever I want. <laughs> but you just need to be correct from this moment on. You don't need to talk about how you were incorrect before the pot. <laughs> right. I guess I guess part of my point is like I I still don't think the personnel is outstanding in isolation. I think what like what you were saying about the Cowboys earlier they've just been put in perfect conditions for their different skill sets depending on the game script and, it's and that's a sign of great here. coaching it's very dare i say belichickian not to uh get your hopes too high on Man, the uh the belichick disciple that's currently at your uh at i was head. already thinking it Nico Lagos is like some Greek dude from Dartmouth, like undrafted, picked up like, <laughs> you know, week nine or something. It's hard to not just think like this is a Belichick rando who, you know, is lionized by fans for the next 20 years. Yeah. Um, not, I don't want to, later we'll talk about um, unbridled optimism, but there's, de- there's definitely reason to be optimistic. So yeah. And, I think I think we were even texting about this earlier in the week where I think we can probably uh like even if even if the Giants lose this two horse race, right? I think they're the team we're probably most collectively optimistic on entering twenty twenty one, no matter what. Um that's my personal feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think I trust New York to build on this more um even if uh rivera can get more out of the pieces he has in washington right like this season you know yeah i think washington's upside is hindered by the fact that their quarterback right now is like 36 years old and his leg was in eight different pieces like two years ago both of those are not great uh but also great for him like in a moment of yeah Let's break the fourth wall of like the irony and kind of like tongue in cheek nature of this podcast. I am legitimately happy for Alex Smith and like what he's achieved this year. And it is part of like the endearing fact. Like if I had to pick the two things I like about the giants in Washington this year, it's the Alex Smith comeback story. And it's just how young this giants team is and flying around. You know, I like seeing both those things happen. For those franchises yeah alex smith has been um i i honestly never thought he would play football again so just even like you can tell he's a little nervous when he's back there but he's yeah. in there he's making throws like more power to him man that's that's a uh, just i'm sure he had something to prove to himself and i think he did so it yeah, is a great a, story a really a dutiful performance um <laughs> can we talk about how it is it happened again 20 points literally like like if i were game planning for washington like if i were the deep or against washington like if i'm the defensive coordinator uh next week as the 49ers i'm like we know they're gonna get 20 points and then just stop so like (laughs) just don't don't if there's if there's eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and Washington has 14 points and your team has not scored 27 yet, you're in trouble. You're, you're <laughs> you are absolutely <laughs> you're 
they're gonna get that one more score. And if you haven't outscored them by two scores yet, it is bad news bears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what happened with Pittsburgh. Do we want to yeah, talk exactly. about that at all? <laughs> <laughs> um but I mean I think before we move on and do the previews, we gotta we gotta go back and give you some props for a take around the, the league <laughs> take. Steelers, paper tigers, the paper menagerie is burnt down. They get their first loss of the year. How does it feel to be so right? Uh, it feels good. <laughs> it feels good. Earlier we talked about how it feels to be right and miserable. Now <laughs> I'm like right and just kind of in a normal bad mood. Maybe so. we should maybe maybe this should have been an AFC North podcast. <laughs> just so we can rip off takes about teams we don't care about. <laughs> And just revel in how right and wrong we were. Do you know how quickly we would both become Bills fans? It would take like... <laughs> I'd be doing a backflip off a pickup truck through a table in like 12 minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I mean, well, now let's say, like, who's the favorite? Uh, it seems like your team, Washington, right? Yeah, I am because I think their defense is a little more legit and menacing the Giants defense has a lot of energy and they do make a lot of great plays but they're also like truly bend don't break they rarely like stonewall teams like over and over they kind of allow some first downs and then get tight at like the 35 their own 35 it's it's there's some stuff there to suggest there's room for aggression whereas Washington's defense man I feel like they get hungrier as the game goes on they're just they're just mean, and the quarterback starts to sense the pressure. Like, I feel like down the stretch, I trust Alex Smith to do game manage Alex Smith stuff and Washington's front seven to uh, to kind of carry them through the finish line. So I'm going to put my money on Washington for now. Also to, like, spare my heart. I don't want to go full All home in. just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm Team New York, as I've been, I think, for the past, like, four weeks on yeah. the pod. And to be honest with you, I completely agree with your assessment of these two teams. I think that Washington does have a game manager, a dutiful game manager, that and a and a great run game that that can, as we joke, put up just twenty points a game, which is good enough to win when you have a defense that, as you say, plays disciplined, is put in good positions, and makes more stops than they do uh, leak big plays, right? Yeah. Um, but um, I like, I like what the Giants do on offense a bit more. I know they had to grind out a win with Colt McCoy, but when they get Daniel Jones back, I think they're a little bit more explosive. I do think that lends to like a little bit more boom and bust, right? Like they can eat, whereas we fully expect Washington to score 20 points. The Giants could go 13 one week and then 27 to 30 the next, you know? Yeah. I like how Washington is so reliable to 20 points in our head that, like, 27 is a huge jump. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like their offense a bit more. And, to, you know, I would say I also just think matchups more than anything. And I think Washington has a slightly harder road and is more apt to regression over the next four weeks than the Giants have. But it's going to be fun to see this two-horse race progress because I could easily see both teams 
showing up against the Cardinals and 49ers and just laying in a big goose egg. And then all of a sudden the Eagles and Cowboys blow out their teams. And now we're oh, back no. to square one. <laughs> you would be so um, I don't know whether happy is the right word. <laughs> I'd be excited. Bar, be happy. <laughs> if the Eagles and the Cowboys win, you won't be that happy. Just yeah. We'll <laughs> Let's get into the previews. Let's get into the previews then. If now that we're uh, now yeah. that we're kind of talking about it, uh, we'll talk about the Eagles, and Cowboys first. Eagles have the Saints. Cowboys have the Bengals. Um, Eagles, Saints. You know, for me, I know hurts in theory presents a new variable, but I don't think much changes. I think it's just a more fun thirty-four to thirteen drumming than watching <laughs> what Carson Wentz would have been doing this week. What do you think, man? <laughs> Yeah, I'm in the same the same boat. I mean, I do think it's a good opportunity. Like, this is a good opportunity for Doug Peterson to throw some wrinkles into the playbook and kind of because there's not that much tape on Jalen Hurts. At the same time, the Saints defense is too too disciplined, too smart. Um, eventually, I think they'll bait Hurts into a mistake, and uh, that will be that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those games. I mean, not too dissimilar to the... Uh the Eagles Saints playoff game with Nick Foles two years ago, where the Eagles got out to a, uh, to a 14, nothing lead on some surprising wrinkles in the playbook that Peterson threw in for Foles for playoff Foles, basically um, that kind of caught the Saints off guard. But then the minute the Saints started controlling the game again, they just grinded out four straight unanswered scores and won pretty decisively. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that thing again, some early first quarter optimism, but ultimately the Peyton machine just wears Peterson down. Um, I'm saying 34 to 13. What do you think? I think it's going to be closer than that. I think maybe uh, 31 to 21. Giving them base. You're giving Hertz an extra score basically over what Wentz would probably be. I'm giving him the Alex Smith special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Cowboys, Bengals. I think Cowboys, I think the Cowboys win this. Um, I, yeah. I, I think it's a clean NFC East. I guess I can't say a clean sweep. That's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. But no, no losses uh, <laughs> the Bengals will give to the NFC <laughs> East this year. Um, yeah, I like even though we're getting on the Cowboys for poor execution and bad coaching, I think those are mistakes that are easily papered over by playing the Bengals, especially uh, the burrow less Bengals of the past few weeks. Um, I would say probably like a 27 to 10 game. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think this is a good game for Dallas to kind of, uh, work out some of their demons and show what they're really capable of against a really hapless opposition. So, again, I think the Bengals' defense is actually okay, although the Cowboys certainly have enough weapons to cause problems. I might be I think from the, from the Giants game where the Giants' offense yeah. scuffled a lot. I was going to say, I think I think you're right, but I think the Bengals, it's a matchup problem, right? I just think that the Bengals have no secondary, but they have a like above replacement level front seven, right? Which yeah. I think can like took away a lot of what the Giants like to do. But 
Like, I just don't see how, uh, you know, Cooper, Lamb, and the gang don't test that secondary a bit more. Um, and Dalton has proven to be good enough to at least get them the football more often than not, you know? Yep. Um, so I would say the, the Cowboys offense will probably look better uh, than the Giants offense. Um, but I, I still think it's a mirage of a win. It doesn't really say much about the Cowboys, but it'll be fun for Cowboys fans. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a win. And depending on how yeah. the rest of the week goes, it does put them scarily in proximity to not being crossed off. Man. Although once crossed off, always crossed off. So no, they're, they're crossed off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy. Like, it is crazy to think about, right? Where it's like, it does feel entering this week that, you know, it's, I think it's just because we're waiting the Giants over the Seahawks and the uh, Washington over the Steelers so heavily as like potential playoff teams that these two teams got wins against. It almost adds a half win in our minds of advantage that they have over the Eagles and Cowboys. But two games is not enough with four games left to really yeah. be that comfortable. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think a lot of it just comes from when teams win so rarely, it does feel like a big gap, you know, like the Cowboys have only won three games all year. So like asking them to win two games of their next four is kind of monumental, but yeah, it's, it's, certainly, it's, re- it's certainly possible. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think recency bias is weighting our perception of these, how good or how close or how sure it is a two horse race. It is, but I'm all, I'm not saying this to talk ourselves into nope. uh, giving the Eagles or Cowboys life. It would just be interesting if, you know, Washington and New York don't continue their upward trajectory this week. How the how different the division may look next week, um, yep. and what how we're talking about it now. But I think it's likely that one of these two teams continues winning this week. Uh, so let's talk about those two games: Washington, San Francisco. Who you got? Let let me hear what you got first. Yeah, uh, I like Washington. I think they're feeling themselves. I know they got kind of this weird semi-short week playing on Monday, but they just are cooking right now. They seem relatively healthy, all things considered. Uh, and I think they have this gets a little pseudoscience, but I think they have more to play for than San Fran does. Like, I think they can smell blood in the water and know, like, man, we could win this division and we're hot. And once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. So I'm going to take Washington and I, you know, we have to do the, our, uh, our duty here and put, I'm going to say 23 to 21. It's going to come down to a, a Dustin Hopkins field goal or something. Yeah. This this 49ers team is so hard to I think accurately pin down week to week. Um they're they're this team that just constantly sits like kind of on the periphery of like potentially contending, but then like they come up with a big win and you kind of think like, oh wow, can Shanahan really like you know get a lot out of Mullins and potentially like, you know, mount a run here um but then they show up on monday night football and just get shellacked by the bills right um i don't know you know what i'm gonna say it 49ers win i think that the two wins against the rams says a lot about 
um, this 49ers team and their ability to beat contending teams. And I think that they're still not quite out of it. And they'll see this as like a backs against the wall type game. Um, And I think that Shanahan can do some interesting things against this Washington defense, but I do think you're right. I do think Washington still scores 20 points. I just think it's a 27 to 20 loss. Okay. There we go. Um, That brings us to last but not least giants Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, So you praised me earlier for getting my Steelers take right. I can't now believe you're going to. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe you're going to actually fall on the sword and <laughs> well, admit no. defeat on this one. No. 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 The Cardinals have to win this game. <laughs> <laughs> because I predicted them to win the Super Bowl. Uh, for those who don't know, a couple weeks back, I picked the Cardinals after the, <laughs> the uh, Hopkins Hail Mary as the Super Bowl champs. And they've lost three straight. <laughs> Can I just remind you and the listeners that it wasn't just like a subtle pick. It was it um, was during the take against the league or take around the league segment, and you said it's time for us all to admit it, <laughs> as if it was a thought that we all had that we were repressing. If if it if it doesn't go right for them, and it, but it will. But if it doesn't, we do have to examine the the hot coach situation (laughs) can a hot football coach win a super bowl no Uh, i mean no (laughs) right like i'm racking my brain here if that's one for the mailbag (laughs) yeah if you think a hot coach can win a super bowl please email us with the exact coach you think could win no no tell tell us who the hottest super bowl winning coach is in your opinion and why I now just thinking about just throwing one one name out there. Okay. I I think like Mike Tomlin is a conventionally attractive like man. You know, you know I, that kind of gets into like, is Mike Tomlin attractive or is he just under sixty five years old? You know? <laughs> it's, it's like when people talk about like hot politicians or something. It's like they're not like really hot. They're just. But like, like you can see, like I could see. Like I could see like a like a heartthrobby like Hollywood actor in like a Tomlin mold. That's you really, know what I mean? Yeah. Like no, doesn't he kinda look like a Chadwick Boseman type person? You know? Uh, I I guess I, I guess I picture Mike Tomlin with kind of like really big eyes. Is yeah, that... I guess that's true. <laughs> I don't know. But that's like uh, that's the only one that comes to mind, man. Like at least in the past like ten to twenty years. Like who, who else do you? You're not Belichick. How did, not, how did uh, Mike Shanahan look in '97 or whatever <laughs> they won? '98. <laughs> Shanahan is the last hot coach to win a Super Bowl. '98. <laughs> we gotta look this up. <laughs> I'm googling. I, I just nothing. Nothing is me. I like the Shanahan poll. I'll throw Tomlin out there, but nothing else is coming to mind, man. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think we have to. I think we have to pop some champagne if uh, if a McVeigh or a Kingsbury ever uh, <laughs> yeah. manages to get a ring. <laughs> yeah. Can we just um, say? I'm sorry. Before we move on, <laughs> please. I want to keep talking about this. <laughs> Open Raiders. John Gruden was not hot. Like, no. No. John. Okay. I. 
John Gruden like always kind of it's no, no. I think it's like the eyes. Like I know he gets like the the Chucky comparisons all the time, which true. I don't. I I <laughs> listen. I don't want to think about that face on him, so I've maybe repressed that association. But I do think there is definite similarities in like the cross-eyedness, the kind of like shriveled nose thing going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and he had that when he was younger too. You know. Yeah, and his haircut is yeah. bad. Like, I don't know what he's doing with like this like center part. Do you think? Do you honest question? Do yeah. you think that Gruden took the job at the Raiders partly because his haircut would look better in comparison to Mark Davis's? <laughs> I think it's crossed his mind. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever explicitly thought that way. Sidebar. Subconscious level. Sidebar, what, what, who gave Mark Davis permission to cut his hair the way he cuts his hair? <laughs> it's honestly like, <laughs> I think it's some sort of like test or something. It's like, <laughs> it's like blackmail on people. Like, do you like me because I'm rich? Like, like, I'm extremely rich and you know it. Will you suck up to me or will you tell me that? I have the worst haircut you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like, I feel like it has to be something like that, right? Like, it's it's like a like a psychological. Thing. I'm just I'm on Google Images. There's this amazing picture <laughs> of John Gruden standing next to Mark Davis when they were on like it is <laughs> it is like remarkable to these two men's haircuts. <laughs> Like a male image or something because that could be I will cool. I'll include a link to this image in the show notes. I might do some photoshopping later with our faces and their haircuts. <laughs> I will send this to you. All right. Uh so all that said, I'm also taking the Cardinals as well. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. Um a score? I I I think that uh I think that this is another like is I think we get our division is getting two AFC or NFC West teams with their backs against the wall, right? And I think that the 49ers have the matchup advantage and I just think the Cardinals have the juice advantage, you know? Um I like I don't I think that they'll continue to stumble down the down the the road, but I think they've got enough to beat this Giants team and they need the win, right? Um, yeah. I'll I'll say twenty four seventeen. Okay, uh, I will say. Yeah, that's a good score. I think it's gonna be close. I'm gonna say twenty. Twenty seven twenty four. Uh, I will say though, like of the two, that's the one I'm most uncertain about. I do think the Giants have a shot, and if they do, then they're the clear front runners in this division moving forward. Right. Um. I want the Giants to lose because I'd rather be right and miserable, like we discussed. Yeah, I mean, you've basically constructed a, uh, <laughs> a, uh, you know, a web of takes, right? That <laughs> that I'm means that no matter what happens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, the best. Either you're completely wrong and the Giants win the division, or you're completely right and <laughs> you get to be right. 
which honestly is like the best way to construct takes. I don't know why I don't follow a similar strategy. Um, <laughs> um, all right, let's speaking of takes, yeah. let's take around the league. Um, I'll start first this week. Um, I think tanking is a dumb strategy in the NFL. And I think, I think more specifically, I want to come after people who have conversations like, do we lose out for a higher draft pick? Mm. Right. Um, I will say if you're going to be the jets about it, right. And institutionally tank from game one, you know, I think that has processy Sixers type virtue to it. Right. But if you're going into the season and your goal isn't to like, like I said, process Sixers type player development, um, getting a high draft pick, prioritizing reps over wins sort of philosophy. If your philosophy is to make the playoffs, you don't stop that halfway through the season just because you're losing. Too much can break in one way or the other, including your own team's psyche. Because they're not bought in on the idea that you're trying to tank. They were trying to win this season, you know? Um, I I think that it it's too risky, and I don't think any NFL teams actually talk about that stra- strategically during a season. And I think it's dumb that the media makes it a narrative. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think that there's too much to gain, even if you are, like, out of the playoff line from developing your guys and seeing who can play and who can't and getting an idea of what kind of schemes you can run. Um, I do think that kind of momentum matters, uh, especially in a league where guys get hurt as often as they do in the NFL. It's just valuable going into next year to know what kind of depth you're working with. So I also just don't think, you know, it's very, very different to have the number three pick in the NFL draft as opposed to like the NBA draft. Like unless you're going specifically for a quarterback and even then, you know, look no further than like a Mitchell Trubisky to know how poorly that can go. Um, You just, there's too much. You can't be wasting years to get a franchise star when your chance of getting a franchise star really aren't that good. Unlike the NBA, where if you get a top three pick, you're, you're much more likely to get a, a real contributor, all-star type of guy. Yeah, especially and another big difference between the NFL and the NBA in this regard is like there are 11 players on the field versus five players on the court, right? And I think that, uh, you know, whether you're picking third in the NFL draft or whether you're picking ninth um, still means you have a statistically reasonable chance of getting the best player in the draft at your biggest position of need. And even if that isn't the case, make a deal, trade up, you know, like get the guy you want. Like, I don't, I I think that there's more to lose by losing than to gain, uh, you know, by tanking basically. Yep. I agree. Okay. Let's get to you. I think, I think this is a heater. I think (laughs) a heater's coming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i should you're right before we started you said why did you put this in the google doc and you're right i should have i should have kept this one to myself i just didn't want to forget it um <laughs> why does everybody like to be happy all the time <laughs> please explain 
where this came from. I want to know exactly yeah. what you were doing when you had this thought. People who like to be happy for stupid reasons make me mad. Um, the Giants community right now. Ah, there we go. <laughs> so Homer-y and hot takey. And I get like, yeah, I get like the meme side of things and you're just like having fun like totally understand completely on board with that but it's getting to the point of people like you know really jumping through hoops to defend dave gettleman and um just kind of blind to all the potential mistakes like that i guess that's what i don't get like why why do you like to be happy all the time i think you should have a more level head about your situation um the giants are just a kind of a vessel for this broadly um nobody should be happy too often and if you are happy too often you should be skeptical about what's happening in your head let's get a little a little like marcus aurelius or something i know <laughs> i know you know your stoics oh yeah like you don't want to get too euphoric when good things happen because then when bad things happen it really, really hurts a lot. And I'm not yeah. saying that you have to live your life in like total pessimism and gloom, but I think it's possible to be both happy or even delighted with the situation and have some circumspection about its temporary nature. You know, all these yeah. things will fade away. So appreciate it for what it is and don't become, uh, I don't know. So too, you're, so you're, so yeah. you're lamenting basically Giants fans looking at one win against the Seahawks and then projecting that out to being <laughs> consensus division contenders for the next three years, and then maybe going so far as to attaching themselves to that being a surefire thing that will happen. You're, you're then extrapolating that into a meta commentary about humanity's need to be happy and to sometimes, lie to ourselves. Yeah, Don't to lie to ourselves to and create fictions to maintain some sense of hope. Enjoy right. <laughs> that's be taking the form of overrating one win against the Seahawks. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. <laughs> be happy with the one win. Be happy for what it is and what it was. It was a beautiful thing. Got it. Don't, don't, I think you're getting at a lot of truth about humanity in this. And it's beautiful <laughs> that you found that um, uh, on a Sunday at 1 p.m. against Russell Wilson. Yes. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> But now I'm mad about other people's happiness, which is so. <laughs> <laughs> well, to your point, um, you know, they'll be distraught when Gettleman shits away yeah. your draft picks next year. And you're, you're seven and nine again for right. a division that got five games better across the board. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury beats us this week on his way to the first hot guy Super Bowl. <laughs> Everyone uh, is distraught again. So, right. I mean, hey, you know, you don't get to enjoy that schadenfreude, but I think it will happen for you because you, by definition, will not know that those people are suffering because they probably will not have the uh, the confidence and the uh, tenacity to post their depression once that happens <laughs> on the giant subreddit. Right. You know, that, that's really the other thing, I guess, like in terms of behavior, like, do you think that people like, their emotions fluctuate wildly and they post like different, very pessimistic, very optimistic things. Or do you, my suspicion is that there's just 
a cohort of extremely optimistic people. No, you're you're dead on. You're dead right. on. Their id is such that like maybe they are naturally happy people, but their outlet for pessimism and depression is to express themselves on online forums, right? right? And yeah. then conversely, maybe it's the the truly sad people then <laughs> like then when they experience one one glimmer of joy, then choose to express it in collective celebrations and overrating uh Joe Judge's ability to build a contender over the next five years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know what? Sometimes I feel like this uh this serves as some sort of therapy for an, not real therapy, but I feel like your mood has steadily brightened the further and like the farther we've gotten away from our initial Eagles talk. Yeah. Uh, That's why I purposely am now. trying to make sure we don't talk about the Eagles on this pod anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you can delight in hypothetical Giants failings again, which is great yeah. to see. Yeah, and thank you so much for giving that to me. Thank you for joining me on the stoic porch where I can wax philosophically about how sad Giants fans will be next year. Um, <laughs> um, well, I think this one's in the can. Uh, rate review on Apple Podcasts. Send us your hot coaches to the NFC least mailbag at gmail.com. Uh, don't send pictures, just send names. I don't want. <laughs> No, yeah, no, no. You have to describe why. <laughs> I want, I want paragraphs of prose describing <laughs> hot coaches. Um, all right. Until next week, man. Thank you for joining me. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, pal. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>